ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Coming up, Lav and I talk about big game ROM and a playoff that might not need more explaining this year. We'll figure that out. Welcome to the Golf Center Podcast presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim Driver. The driver head was in need of a drastic change in order to provide more performance, so TaylorMade changed the shape altogether with their new Sim Driver, which allowed them to make it fast and forgiving where every golfer needs it in the downswing. The pros love the new shape, but the biggest reason TaylorMade changed the shape was to make you into a better golfer. Check out TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information on the all-new Sim family. We're going to get straight headfirst into the playoffs. But before we do, John Rahm did it again. He loves 11th hour theatrics. What did you make of that finish on Sunday left? Well, first of all, I was, I was very envious of our colleague, Will Gray, who was, who was on the ground covering uh, last week's BMW championship. I, and I was envious because I was at the first playoff event and nothing happened. Dustin, Dustin Johnson shot 30 under par and he won by 11. It was one of the most boring tournaments I've ever covered. And all hell broke loose for Will Gray last week. You obviously had um, a lot of discussion around the social injustice early in the week. And then you had uh, Tiger failing to make the tour championship. You had Rory uh, with the surprise birth announcement to at least a lot of us. And then you had this one versus two duel. In a playoff, first time that one and two have gone head-to-head in a playoff since 1995. And just the, just the sheer uh, insanity of those putts, just to think of what DJ was able to do on the 72nd hole, holding that 43-footer down the slope, and then John Rahm on the first extra hole, 66-footer. And, and, Rex, think about this. This putt was down a slope with about 20 feet of break. Golf statistician crunched the numbers. That putt. That 66-footer had a 1.4% make rate and a 28% three-putt rate. He was t- almost 28 times more likely to three-putt that than to make it. And so to do it, I mean, DJ just laughed, and that's all you could do. It's not like this was a, a heartbreaking finish for him. You got to tip your cap and say that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. I think DJ probably considered himself fortunate to even be in that position. He was, and look, he needed to sink a big putt of his own on the 72nd hole just to get into that playoff. And with the expectations where they were, as you pointed out, after what the flat week that you got stuck with last week. And look, considering what happened last week, and you touched on all the big, the, the hot button issues next week, there's no way Eastlake is going to be entertaining in the least. I mean, I know you and I are going to end up with these dog tournaments and Will's going to end up on the winning side of this. Of course. But you pointed out the part that I love the most about that whole thing, and I must have watched it 15 times now. It's 
I, I love John Rahm's reaction, the way he's walking it off, and you can tell he's not sure what's – because there were so many things, this 1% chance, as you just pointed out, there's so many things he knows that still have to go right. There's no early celebration. There's no early putter raise. There's none of that. However, when he stops and the camera pans to DJ, DJ's expression is absolutely priceless. For a guy that does not have any kind of tell whatsoever on the golf course, he was devastated. That was a gut punch like you have never seen in golf before. And that, to me, was the most entertaining thing. I mean, Dustin still had a 30-footer, had a and you know, he said he had a good putt, and it didn't really have a chance. Um, so that was kind of a deflating way to end. You would have loved to see Rom make that, and that kind of been the the walk off. But you're not you're not going to get that every time. And I think, I think the just the unlikelihood of of those putts kind of overshadowed the way that John Rom played over the weekend. You got to keep in mind that he headed into the final two rounds at six over par. I mean, Olympia Fields was playing more like a U.S. Open than it even did when it hosted the U.S. Open back in 2003 when Jim Furyk won and, and it was kind of lambasted as a, as a fake U.S. Open course, you had a, you had a player in John Rahm who, who shot 10 under on the weekend. That includes that very bizarre ball marking penalty. So he was really 11 under. And then if you include the birdie on the, the um, first playoff hole, he was, he was even better. So I think it just goes to show, you know, I think the knock on this guy, right, was that he didn't have the mental fortitude to, to handle these tough setups. You and I were both at Memorial. Uh, we saw what, obviously, he was able to do at the BMW. The only two other tournaments this year that were even in the top four of, of difficulty this year were Bay Hill and the Honda Classic. I mean, John Rahm conquered two of the four hardest tests on the PGA Tour this season. It's, it's been an incredible achievement, and I think this was just the, the cherry on top. And there's something in the DNA, and we, we talk about this a lot, about some guys have that closures mentality. Certainly Tiger had it for the better part of two decades. And you can point to Jack Nicklaus and all these other great players over the history of the game. However, if you look at John's and look, this is a very small snapshot. He is still a very young player. He still has tons and tons of things that he's going to accomplish in his career, but he loves these moments. And you can say that about everyone. Everyone says we love these moments, but his first victory in San Diego was very, very similar with this huge long walk-off putt on the 18th green at Torrey Pines. For Back you to thirty, Yeah. Yeah, for you to embrace these moments and to do this. Now, you, and you pointed out the only drop shot he had on the weekend was the penalty during round three on the fifth hole when he does not put a marker down and picks up his ball. Again, looking at snapshots in time, his caddy's reaction. I don't know if you've watched that video, but Adam's reaction to what, do, what have you just done? Like, it was just this moment. <laughs> Are you some kind of stupid? <laughs> <laughs> have you lost your mind? Put it back down. But then I was reading the quote last night from what Rom said afterwards. He can say that that, you know, making the six-footer for bogey in that situation when everything could have gone wrong kind of spurred him on. And the part that got me the most is he said to himself, okay, that's it. No more playing around. Let's go. So you're telling me that you had just been playing around up to that point, that up to that point, you're just breezing through life, skipping oblivious, looking at flowers and, and butterflies. Is that what I'm to believe out of all this? Yeah. I mean, apparently he had a, he had a long rain session on, on Friday night and found something in his swing, but he, he, st he entered the weekend at six over par. I mean, that's the highest halfway total of a non-major winner since 1990. Now I think a lot of that can be attributed to the, the difficulty of the golf course, but John Rahm also wasn't playing well for the first 36 holes. And for him to go on a tear just kind of shows the completeness of his game and the, fire, and the firepower that, that he does possess. And, and I'll say this, and we're going to get into DJ Moore as we, we start talking about the Tour Championship in Eastlake in this week's tournament. However, this is not a situation, and this kind of goes back to, I think, what Claude told you last week in Boston after he wins that event by a million strokes. It's you can see it coming. 
you can see it when DJ's game is in shape. He may get beat. Someone may stand up and shoot 11 on the par on the weekend or whatever the case may be with John Rahm, and he may get beat. However, you know he's trending in the right direction. And I would still say that DJ number one, John Rahm number two, is about the best-case scenario going into the Tour Championship you could envision at this point in the season. Yeah, this is the first time that the top three players in the world ranking are also the top three in the FedEx Cup standings heading into the season finale. I mean, this is just a, a dream scenario uh, for the PGA Tour. And, and Rex, when I was looking at kind of the, the course history of, of these three players now, as you look at, at Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, of course, this is year two of that staggered scoring start where DJ is going to be at 10 under, Rahm at 8 under, JT at 7 under. All three, three of these players could be considered horses for courses at Eastlake. You know, if you, if you start looking at, at potential favorites, if you like at this tour championship, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me that, that the winner is not going to come from that group, uh, the, the group of players who are within three shots of, of Dustin Johnson's lead now heading into the Friday start. No, and I agree. And look, when I, again, I'm going to get into the staggered start and how bleak this is going to look for the guys on the back end. Because you pointed out, DJ's at 10, Ron's at 8, JT's at 7. Webb good Simpson, luck. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, you're, spot, you're going to spot Dustin Johnson, who just won by 30 strokes or whatever the case may be. You're going to spot him, let's say, 10 strokes for the guys that are starting at even par next week. That's, you're there to pick up a very nice check and enjoy yourself, but don't expect anything big to come of that. But before we move on, there were two more players that I did want to talk about last week. And it was eventful on many, many fronts for Roy McIlroy, who seemed like he had broken out of that funk that he had been in since the restart. Yeah, I believe he had a share of the lead through two rounds. It looked like the same old Roy that we're used to seeing. And then it sort of becomes public knowledge. I believe Steve Sands, our Steve Sands, is the one that broke the news that his wife Erica is expecting any day now. And then Rory talks about it, and you get the idea that, yes, all right, this suddenly starts to add up and make sense, that, that there have been distractions off the golf course. Did you see that part coming up? No, I didn't, I didn't see that at all. And, and in fact, I was, I was taking the dog out, and I, I heard Steve Sands's comment, and I kind of stopped in my tracks and went back to the DVR and said, did he really just say that, that Rory's wife, Erica, is expecting any day now? Because there had, been, there. There had been zero, zero mention of this all throughout the summer. And there was ample opportunity for Rory to make this excuse that, you know, I've got other things going on at home. It is this instead. He would, he would just say that he's found himself, his, his mind wandering and he he's having trouble you know, generating the type of energy and momentum and adrenaline without fans on site. But this is kind of an excuse, right? Like he, he didn't have a top 10 this summer. He clearly wasn't playing well. This is the longest drought he's had in more than a decade this is part of the reason why I'm not saying it's the only reason why, but it is certainly a, a contributing factor when your wife is set to give birth and you don't know whether you're going to get that call anytime in the past month. That, that has to be um, just, it has to be a little bit distracting. You were taking the dog out and happened to hear something. I don't like, I didn't piece together exactly how that, that all went down with you, but I taking will say the dog this. out, heard it, stopped, said, hmm. how did you went back? You walked off the couch. Yeah. And then, dog and goes outside. Got it. All right. I understand it. I was just what trying do you think, to piece where do you think the dog's going to go out? Uh, I don't know. I have boys to take my dogs out, so I don't even worry. I don't, I don't busy myself with that kind of busy work. Oh, oh sure. <laughs> I've, I've got a 20-month-old. He's not, he's not quite ready for that task. Cam's not heading out with him that. Uh, the one part about Rory, and to your point, is what makes it so impressive. He has not hidden the fact 
that he needs balance in his life. He talks about it a lot. If you sit and listen to the, the books that he reads and the things that he engages in, he doesn't want to be defined by what he does in his profession. He wants them there to be all of these different checkboxes in his life and all of them need to be sort of in the same orbit for him to perform correctly. And absolutely, when you sit and you think about how, you know, you don't, he hasn't let us all in to exactly what they've been doing, but they have been married for a while. And he has been, he, he has talked about wanting to have kids. So you can get an idea of how important this was and distracting is probably the word I would use. And I don't think he would ever use it as an excuse, but it, it is, it is good to see, I guess, that there is something other than I just can't figure this out playing with without fans. Like that was the part I think all of us probably had a hard time wrapping our mind around. Yeah, there's a, there's at least some explanation now for the for why he's he's gone. Let's see, eight tournaments now I think without a top ten. I mean, it's he hasn't done that since 2009, and I think it is interesting, Rex. When are you when are you getting up the tour championship this week? Wednesday? Uh, Thursday, Thursday? No, it's Thursday. It's a Friday start. So and so Friday. I think it I think it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure if first of all we don't know if Rory's going to play. Uh, he, he said he wouldn't hesitate at all to miss the, the season finality, depending on, on the timing of the birth announcement. I think you could make the case we're taping this on Monday. If she has, if she has the, the baby girl that they're expecting any time in the next couple of days, sure, you could see him buzz up there. It's an easy flight from South Florida to Atlanta and see him tee it up in the first round. Uh, but he is, he is going to miss the tour championship if there's any sort of conflict at all. And, and just for those keeping score at home, he would enter – uh, the opening round, seven shots back uh, at, at three under. He's one of those players who have slipped in the standings uh, post-pandemic shutdown. So he's one of those ones you're referring to as good luck. Anyway, so he would be he, a good I, luck. He, I mean, he would. he's the defending FedEx Cup champion. I wouldn't put anything past him. But when you're going up against DJ Rom and JT and giving them a head start, uh, you need to go, as, as Mark Leishman said, on an absolute, on an absolute blinder. A blinder. That is an Aussie term. That means something different to me. But uh, I, I, before we move on to the tour championship and there is in handicapping that field, and there's going to be plenty to talk about this week, considering the season that we've had, uh, I did want to touch on Tiger Woods. We will be, in my mind, doing grades next week. It's probably going to take you a little while to figure these out because the season will be over, even though we still have two majors to play this year. Tiger Woods' season is over. He did not advance to the tour championship. If you could give him a takeaway in 30 seconds, what would it be? A takeaway or a grade? That sounds like the same thing. Say it, whichever, by all means, give him a grade if that's what you feel. I, I just think that moving forward, he's, he's going to have a hard time playing at Eastlake and for the tour championship, just for the sole factor that it's going to be really hard for him to have a, a full schedule during a normal year uh, that would be able to keep up with, with the rest of the top 30 players in the PG tour. And he's going to have to win. And I think that that task is only going to get harder. You look at, the BMW championship field, Tiger Woods, this was making his seventh start of the season. That was three fewer than anyone else in the field. He won the Zozo in the fall, hadn't finished inside the top 35 uh, during this restart. It's, it's going to be a tall task for him to be among these top 30 moving forward. It is. It was interesting. And my immediate reaction was, and the reason I even wanted to bring this up, because I was thinking incomplete. And I'm, I kind of went back and tried to think about how many times have I given him an incomplete break grade over the course of his career for a season. And certainly there have been seasons where he played once or didn't play at all. I'm talking about 16 and 17, of course, those two seasons when injury has come into effect. And perhaps injury was part of the equation before the shutdown because we talk about him not playing Honda Classic, which is a home game. We talk about didn't him play not Mexico, playing. didn't play, didn't Bay play Hill. Mexico, he didn't play didn't the play, players, play the players championship and all of those things you, you would probably assume 
without a lot of information that th those were all physically driven, that there was some sort of injury that he just didn't want to aggravate at that time. However, since the restart, he went five events without playing. He didn't play until the, the tour wound up at the Memorial Tournament. And when I asked him why, it wasn't because of injury. It was because he wanted to see how things are going, which is certainly his right. It's his, it's, he can do whatever he wants. They're all independent contractors, and I get that. However, you had all of these opportunities to play and try to turn this thing around. You chose not to for whatever reason. I, I would actually give him a, a solid D. Simply because, yes, there's We're not giving grades. I thought we were giving takeaways. No, I, I went ahead and went with a, a, a grid. You can do whatever you want. You, again, you're an independent contractor. You can go out and, and, and <laughs> handle it however you'd like. You're giving him a D or a B? D, as in uh, dog. He won a tournament. He won a tournament in the fall. <laughs> he won. All right, what's one divided by seven? Like 16%? He won 16% of his starts. And that you're giving him a D? So if that would have been his only start, would he go down in history as the only guy who won every single start? Oh, it'd, be an, it'd, be, it'd be an A+. Plus. <laughs> him, and, him, and, him and Iron Byron, yeah. Uh, yeah I no. mean, are there, we, there, aren't right. any, there aren't any so, qualifiers, I guess is my point in all of this. Are so, you going yes, to change this grade with a, with a week to think about it? Or are you going to just do we like copy and paste this to next week? Or I thought we're, I thought we're giving takeaways. I don't know. Since he's not playing the tour championship, I'm not quite sure that I can imagine any scenario where I would want to change the grade. Uh, I'll go with B minus. Oh, a B minus. A B minus. Wow. I mean, really? Yeah. Like you and I aren't on the same he page won, at all. He won a golf tournament. Keep in mind, he was the very best player at the President's Cup in December. He had a top 10 finish at Torrey Pines, and then clearly something went amiss. Because he was last among those who made the cut at Riviera, where he complained of some back stiffness. Then didn't and play all frankly, those events did, that he And quite frankly, play. we did not see him again for five months. So I'm not sure how you can, how you can knock him for that. I mean, you can only judge him based on the it tournaments that he to played. Exactly what I, how I, because I just set that whole up, whole thing up with the idea that normally I would give out an incomplete because of injuries involved here. But this was not injury induced, at least not all of it. Some of it was. You can only judge him I, on I the tournaments that he played. Point. I conceded that point, but he also had every opportunity to start up at Colonial like everyone else did and try to play his way into some sort of shape. Because I think what we saw over the last two weeks with back-to-back -back tournaments is he didn't play his best, but he at least got into some sort of rhythm. Yeah, I mean, I, th I still think he's going to need to somehow find this balance that he hasn't found yet between reps and rust. Uh, and, and this year, look, I think is, is just clearly a strange year for everyone. You, you weren't anticipating to have three and a half months off in the middle of the season. He's, he's very much used to a set schedule. He knows when he's going to take his breaks. He knows when he's going to play. He knows how he needs to recover. And, and that kind of was just absolutely blown up this season. Um, but if he is only going to play 10 to 12 times tops in the 2020-21 season, uh, he, he's going to have to win if he wants to be back among the top 30 players on the PGA Tour because he's, he's just not going to play the 20 to 23 times that, that the stars are. I think that's, that was the original point of this discussion is that the times that he does play, he, he absolutely needs to make them count. And there's, there's no evidence, right. There's, and there's no evidence right now that he's in position to do that. I, I don't think it's an, if he, he plays 12 times, I think that's his, probably his dream schedule going forward. And in the fall, we can sit here and try to figure things out, but outside of the U S open, uh, the masters, there, in I mean, there's, there is zero chance he finishes instead of top 10th, the U S open, right? Zero. 
that that golf course does not seem to be where his game is at right now. Because if you look at the way he played at least last week at Olympia Fields, which would be the closest thing to a U.S. Open test you would think he would play, statistically, it did not match up very well. He he didn't drive the ball particularly well like you're used to seeing him. Which was and shocking because he, he, he was actually quite good off the tee in, in Boston and uh, just completely and, lost it both ways. Utterly different golf course as well. But it, it, it was his iron play that actually stunned me when you look at it statistically at Olympia Fields. He just wasn't as sharp as we're used to seeing him. Look, he has struggled with his putter. We all know that happens. He struggles with his driving. His That's a big play. thing. I mean, the putter, the putter is a, a major concern at this point, is it not? Oh, I mean, absolutely. How much more, how much more evidence do you need? I don't need a whole lot more evidence. All right, before we get out of here, though, uh, and you actually changed my mind, I'll go with C minus. So you, you taught me off that ledge. So I'm going to go with a solid C minus. Nope. Going with a it B was minor. D. Copy and paste it. Slap it on next week. Tag Tiger, uh, Tiger yeah. Woods in the tweet, and let's let's get this party started. Let's see how, how it works out. I, so if we're handicapping the field, we've already done this. DJ starts at 10 under, Rahm at 8 under, JT 7 under. Webb, who took the week off, and, and I think he only slipped one spot, might, he be, did. Uh, might be the genius of everyone not wanting to get beat up by Olympia Fields and be fresh at, at, uh, at Eastlake when he shows up for the finale. If you had to go down, I'm not going to read where everyone is. Is there anyone, I'll, I'll throw a number out there, at four under, who, who's starting at four under, or worse, that you think has a legitimate chance? I mean, so you're looking at four under, and right now that's, that's Daniel Berger, Harris English, Bryce Nishambo, Sung J.M., Hideki. Hideki obviously coming off a good week at the BMW. Sungjae hasn't been the same player since the restart, unfortunately. He was the player who was number one in the Fetish Cup standings heading into the three-and-a-half-month shutdown. Uh, only has two top tens since. Uh, Harris English playing, playing, close to, playing close to home. Daniel Berger has been as good as anyone this summer. Uh, and, and Bryson DeChambeau hasn't been as, as sharp as, as late. So if you're, if you're going to put a number, I, would, I certainly wouldn't look at threes. Uh, Boog, if, if he can get hot has a chance. Kyle Morikawa starting at, at five unders. Never played this golf course before. So there is going to be a little bit of a learning curve for him as well. I've got my eye, like you said, at Webb Simpson. And I was, first of all, surprised that he was going to skip the BMW. And I think best case scenario for him was only slipping one spot. I mean, this, sure. this, this to me is going to be interesting because I'm not sure we're going to see 100% participation next year after seeing what Webb Simpson was able to do uh, only slipping one spot heading into the season finale. That's not exactly what, what the tour wanted to see. I don't think – normally that would set up alarm, alarm bells in Ponte Vedra Beach, but in this particular case, I don't think so, only because there is probably only going to be five guys that will have this luxury. Maybe if you're first through fifth heading into the BMW. And you but really you want don't those want guys. Come. Those are the guys that you want to have there. You, you do, and you can make an argument that, look, that, that one spot may end up costing him, and maybe that will change the idea. And I also think Olympia Fields and this season, the particulars of how much guys have played since the restart and Webb Simpson being one of those guys that stacked a whole bunch of tournaments back to back to back after taking all that time off, both of these things factor into it. Once, and we also have the U.S. Open in two weeks, which she yes. clearly has his eye on there. Yeah, so I, I don't think this is, this is any reason for Ponte Vedra Beach to get upset about. But I, I'm going to go ahead and cut it off at the four unders. And you, you didn't go to your guy like I thought you would. You came up short on that one. I thought you've been camping on Bryson DeChambeau since the playoffs you mean you mean, the play, you mean the player of the year, Bryson DeChambeau? If yes. you want to re-rack some, some audio? Yeah, sure. That the guy who's totally changed the game? Yeah. That no one can hang with him? Look, when he's on. The, and the guy, on, and on, the guy the, on the right golf course. And the guy who hit like 23% of the fairways, fewest of any player in the field at BMW? Uh, that's probably wasn't going to be that, his golf that him? course. I, th I think we're starting to see 
exactly what we both predicted. He's going to have a you... field day with that, with that thick Bermuda at Eastlake. Oh, that yeah, ball be... nestling down. It doesn't, doesn't matter how strong he is. Good luck stopping it on those, those firm, speedy greens if you're hitting out of the, <laughs> the, the deep Bermuda. And they come knuckling out. But I think four under is where I'm going to draw the line. Daniel Berger has had a Boog. brilliant restart. Boog. Uh, he's had a brilliant restart. Harris English, who did not have any status, or he had 126 to 150, which is virtually no status yeah, on the PGA Tour this year. He has had unbelievable restart. Bryson being your boy. I think all of those players at four have a legitimate chance because six, six shots over four rounds. But you don't really Anybody think – under that. You really don't think they're going to catch Dustin Johnson. If you throw out last year's performance when DJ obviously wasn't feeling great, he, had, he ended up having an arthroscopic knee surgery. Why would I throw that out? Look, if you, if you throw out last year, he clearly wasn't feeling great. The five previous years, he had four top sixes and was 26 under par in that stretch. You look at John Rahm, nine of his 12 rounds have been par better on this golf course. Justin Thomas, this is a horse for course for him, never finished worse than seventh. I, I, the, the winner is going to come out of those three. One of those three is going to play well, and if it's just well, I'm not going to sleep on Webb. Uh, don't sleep on Webb. I'll, I'll give it to the top four. I, I believe one of the, the winner is going to come out of one of those four is where I'm going with that. You think you think Webb can hang with those boys on that golf course? Absolutely. I, I think he has enough experience there. On that and, golf and, course. I, yeah, if you look at his, his as many times as he's played it over the course of his career, he's had solid. He, Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson. I'm looking at. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Thank you for bringing that up, Rex. Uh, Webb Simpson has never shot better than nine under on this golf course in any of his seven starts. Right. Uh, three times he has been over par. Uh, I just don't see a lot of low numbers out of Wim Simpson on this golf course. I don't see it. Don't, making, up, making up a deficit of four shots to DJ? How? How? You're assuming that DJ is going How? to be D DJ of the last two weeks, and I don't think that's fair. And you're kind of glossing over those numbers, by the way. In, in seven starts, he's got uh, – well, he's only I'm, finished there's – There's nothing to gloss over. The best there's, week he's had is nine three top fives. There's three top fives in there. Like, you're, yeah, but – It's a limited field. Of course. So, three top fives. Okay, so he's only really had two bad starts. So, he finished T23 and 22nd in 2011 and 2014. So, I mean, he's – you would think he needs to shoot. Let's see. He's starting at six. Again, probably you're assuming need, that not, these guys are not going to come back at all. He probably – no, I, I'm assuming they're not going to come back. What was the winning uh, score last year? 15 under? Again, I think you're giving these guys too much credit. Last if year, DJ the winning score what, was 18 under. If DJ Rory, shot would, thir, Rory shot 13 under par to win. Again, relative to his finishes, he has three top fives and seven starts. So – he has experience on that golf course and that's relative to what the field was doing that week. So we don't know so what it's going to do next week. You've got to, you've got to assume that those guys are going to shoot. Someone is going to shoot 10 under let's call it 10 under that. So that would make the winning score in the mid teens. We're looking at probably 15 to 18 under par is the winning score last look, we've only got a one year sample size on this, right? And last year, Rory won at 18 under Xander was second at 14 and Brooks and JT were third at 13 under. I think that's a, that's, that's a safe range. That's a safe range to put these guys. Yeah, I think the sample size makes it almost impossible to predict at this point, though. Because, again, you don't Dustin think, you don't think someone's going to shoot 10 to 15 under on this golf course? Sure, and if it's Dustin, then no one's going to get anywhere no near him. No one's going to be honest. Yeah. No one's gonna, or if it's John Rahm or JT, probably no one's going to get anywhere near him. However, it's a difficult golf course. We've seen what it can do to people. All right, before we, we get out of here. It's going to be hot. The ball's going to be going forever.
and I think we're all married to those top four guys. Let's call it Dustin Johnson, John Rom, JT. I'm really married on the top three. I'm married to the top four. If any of those four end up winning next week, do they automatically win player of the year in your mind, or is there still more to be done? Is there still oh. a larger conversation to be had? I, I, look, I, I certainly think it's, it's unsettled heading into the season, Fan. I think, I think you can put it that way. Um, to me, the two leading front runners are Justin Thomas and John Rom. Probably in that order, I'd put them 1A and, and 1B. And I, I knew we were going to talk about this, so I, I started diving into it um, a little bit. And, and right now, obviously, we do not have to vote right now. But if we were to vote right now, I would give a very, very slight edge to Justin Thomas. But I also wouldn't be dissuaded if you told me that you wanted John Rom. You look at John Rom's resume this year, Rex. The two wins, we've gone over it. Obviously, a FedEx Cup playoff event against the top 69 players on the PJ Tour this season. And he also won the Memorial which if memory serves was the strongest regular season field ever. Yeah, it was a John major. Rahm, I'll give you that. Yeah. John Rahm also has a top 15 in a major. He is a T3 in a WGC event. And he has seven top 10s in 14 events. Justin Thomas has played three more times. And in those three times, he has added an extra win. But all three of his wins have come against limited fields. They went in the CJ Cup, no cut, no cut event in South Korea. He won the Tournament of Champions, which is obviously a winners-only event at Kapalua. And he won a WGC event. Nothing to be taken away from that, but it was also the week before the PGA Championship with guys who've got uh, two minds that week. Who do you think is the player of the year right now? It's very, very close. And I, I think I may have just talked myself into John Rahm. Well, I think you just talked me into Justin Thomas. And it's easy for you to dismiss the CJ Cup and the Tournament of Champions. I get where you're coming with that because particularly Maui, guys are kind of showing up there. And granted, they are PGA Tour winners, and all of these guys can play really, really well. However – But they also haven't played in a month probably. Yes. This is January. You're in the islands. You're relaxed a little bit. It's not as quite cutthroat. I would say Memphis is the standout and all that. And he also has a runner-up finish. He's got a third-place finish in there. And he has played more than John Rahm. I just think he's been more consistent than John Rom because the one thing that throws me when I look at what John has done this season is at least since the restart, it's either Very, been feast or famine. Strangely, yes, yeah, strangely inconsistent. So it, it, if I'm making the vote for the PGA Tour Player of the Year, as things stand right now, I would go to JT. But JT, all right, so JT doesn't have better than 25th in the first two playoff events. He was outside the top 35 in the PGA Championship, and he's played three more times than John Rom. I don't think that three more times gets me as much as it seems to get you. And I would argue that that's a, that's, that's valuable playing opportunities in order to, to pick up another win. This goes back to our Tiger Woods conversation. If you choose not to play, you can't penalize the guy who does play more. I mean, that's like the old world rankings. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Okay. But you can obviously make the case that John Rahm was one of the hottest players in the world heading into the, the shutdown. You could have, and he, the way he has come back out. And I certainly agree with you. The Memorial, the way I look at it, given the fact we it's only basically have one WGC. Or I would even give it a major status simply because of that's the deepest field on the toughest golf course of the year so far. So I would give that a little bit extra weight. But again, you're comparing three wins to two wins. I just don't know. I think, how you, I think how the you, PGA Tour players are going to vote Justin Thomas as player of the year. Oh, you're, I would you're lean, calling it. I would lean that direction. So it's a popularity vote. Is that what you're trying to say here? Yeah, very much so. Really? Same so reason, would, the, same, the same reason why Roy won last year over Brooks. I get that. Same reason Ricky won Rookie of the Year over Roy McIlroy. Is that the, is that the idea 
Dia yes. as well? Yeah. Wow. And now we've suddenly become xenophobic, so that's even worse. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the way I think they're leaning. And look, what if, what, if, what if Dustin wins the FedEx Cup? Do you look at the way that he's played the last month and a half, and do you, do you weigh that do you outweigh that of, of what Justin Thomas has done over an entire body of work or what John Rahm has done during the entire 2020? I don't know. You can, how it's, I think players would of, of how easily persuaded can you be? Cause DJ really didn't do anything for the first half of the season. Now he was, he was injured and he missed, he missed the fall and he, he played overseas early, but he hadn't done anything prior to the players. And they really hadn't done anything prior to the shutdown until he, until he won at the travelers. No, um, I think players he, and would. He, and then he got hot. Because and the reason I say that is, yeah, I mean, we, you immediately made last year a popularity vote and I don't think that's entirely true. I think what it was is no, I think, I think a bit of a testament a, to what yeah. players now value as what's important. I think, yes, consistency. Consistent and I do excellence. think there is something to do with the FedEx cup and winning the season long race. And look, major championships are always going to stand above. I don't think anyone going to say that they do not. However, I think last year was a bit of a statement by players as a whole saying that, yes, the FedEx Cup is important to us. And if DJ were to do it, even though he has done it relatively – all everything, his body of work this season has been relatively recently, I still think he would be player of the year in the vote. Really? Do you I think do. if Dustin wins this week, he's player of the year? Well, that's three wins. It's, it's everything else he's accomplished. It's, I, and he, we only would have played 14 events. So suddenly you're starting – you know, I'm going back to your logic now of only playing 14 events. So, yes – I think so, because when he has played well, he has been absolutely dominant. He hasn't been as consistent as you might have liked, but if he wins the Tour Championship, which would make him the FedEx Cup champion, that is consistent enough, I think, for players to vote him the player of the year. I think, I think, that's, I think that's fair. I mean, you look, if let's say he wins the FedEx Cup, he would have gone 2-1-2-1 over his last four starts, and that doesn't even include the, the win at the Travelers, which, which was a good field. Uh, in those first couple events coming out of the coming out of the restart, and so I'm not sure you could necessarily hold it against him that that he was still recovering from that fall 2019 uh, knee surgery. So Dustin Johnson, Player of the Year, if he wins. What about your boy Webb? What if your boy Webb goes on an absolute quote unquote blinder uh, and wins and wins the Tour Championship slash FedEx Cup? I don't think that means what you keep. I don't think it means. It what does. You it, it might mean I, that I listened, I listened to the interview. Yeah, that's what I, it means. I get what you're saying. Uh, yes, I think Webb would. That would be three victories. It would be. You think Webb is the player of the year if he if he nine wins top ten finishes? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I I, I would argue that. Oh Absolutely. yeah. I think again, you, it's a Phoenix, small sample size. Phoenix, Harbor Town, East Lake. You think that's a good enough resume? Yes, and the small sample size and the weirdness oh that is this season. Maybe we can have oh this discussion my. next week because it, it, that would be an interesting discussion. I think you could make an argument for Webb. It would be an interesting. You can make an argument. It wouldn't. It wouldn't win out. I, I have. I don't see. I don't Suddenly. foresee any any scenario. What if? Hmm. What well, if? What if? What if Brendan Todd wins the FedEx Cup? Oh, that one. That would have been. That would have been three wins. Yeah. Uh, he also blew a couple of chances at the Travelers and Memphis. What do you think, Brendan Todd? Uh, no, he would not be player of the year, simply because I don't think he's been consistent, even though he has won over the course of the season. If you look at week in and week out, I don't think he's been consistent enough. I think Brenda the, Todd could have been a five-time winner this season. The head-to-head with JT and Webb would be fascinating. If we're sitting here having this conversation next week, I, I will be curious to, to talk to players and see what they think about that one. Well, Webb has, Webb has played better in the playoffs than JT has. Mm, we'll see we're going to do, we have to do a, there, we have to do a blind. We have to do a blind resume test. 
You gotta you gotta take the you gotta take the names out of it. You gotta take the personalities. That's out the only of way it. to do it. Just That's go the only straight way up resumes and who you got. That's right. And throw a Brenda Todd in there as a placebo just to see if anybody bites on it. <laughs> yes, give me that one. <laughs> Bermuda, there is, yes. There is no chance whatsoever I go to this tournament this week and there's an exciting finish. You got the dog. I'm going to get the dog. And Will got the, he got the Greyhound, didn't he? I mean, did you, did you see the weather this week? It's going to be 96 degrees every single day. We live in Florida. Have you been outside your house in the last five minutes? I haven't. I, I'm very conscientious of, of those around me. Mm. All right, I'll talk to you next Monday, or no, I'll talk to you next Tuesday we'll when I get Tuesday. Tuesday will be a day late on the podcast. That'll do it for this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Taylor May. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it, between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.